Hi everyone, welcome to episode two. So uh, yeah, ooh, we've got ooh. with myself Dan, we've got James and John. Hello. How's it going Dan and James? Good, very good, how are you? Yeah, not bad, like you know, we're just uh, trying to figure out how to start an intro for the second episode, all exciting. As soon as you click the record button, I could feel like something in the pit of my stomach go, I was like, oh no, it matters now what I say, whereas before it didn't matter, now it does. Does it matter? Does it matter? Well, it, it doesn't matter. Really, it doesn't does matter. It? People have got to listen to the episodes for it to matter. How many views did we get last week, Dan? <laughs> He's honest, like, I haven't even checked today, I'm afraid. <laughs> I, will, it, will it have changed from yesterday? It, it oh, I think so, changed. yeah. Well, I listened really? to it again last week. Uh, yeah, I listened to it at least 10 times a day to try and get the, uh, the numbers <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Silver Linings Runbook, where we discuss the cloud and its complementary technologies, with guest speakers talking about how technology is shaping the world in business and domestic sectors alike. In this episode, we discuss certifications and training, and how relevant it has been for us in past, present, and future roles. So what's going down then? What are we up to? What have we been up to this week? All good? Busy, busy? Yeah, I've been looking at... A- Azure Data Factory in the background, trying to mm. get my head around the different means of creating the, your pipelines and your data flows. Playing with all your... Is that, that the thing you can use Synapse with and stick your data bricks in? And... Yeah, so it's, it, I'm looking at how um, if you're, uh, you know, you've got an on-prem SQL server, integration services, how what's that journey from being on on-prem to... Uh, migrate into the cloud and how you migrate that ETL workloads into the cloud. Nice. Well, that'd be good fun. What about you, Dan? Mm-hmm. What have you been up to? Um, well, with the imminent um, 1909, Windows 10 1909 end of life, there's a still a lot of uh, lot of companies and corporates out there that are actually still using it um, as their day-to-day OS version. So uh, for me, I think the coming months is going to be very busy with feature updates. So either Windows 11 um, or actually bringing people up to 21H2. So, yeah, you see him much with Windows 11 at the minute, Dan? Not a massive amount, no. I think it's the, the very normal, typical corporate enterprise um, attitude to got to give it 12 months, got to give it a bit of maturity. Yeah, um, I, th- I think in certain teams where IT teams are probably trialling it for themselves because um, they can go back to it with no problems and they accept the situation with applications might not work. But um, yeah, I don't, there's, there's not really been much of a, a desire to push it out to the general user at the moment. There's a lot of that in big big organisations. Well, they want other organisations to find all the bugs and issues first before they uh, they jump in. Well, I do. As on a personal yeah. level, I, I remember going to Windows 10 when it first came out, and I think there was a a good few builds of Windows 10 where they didn't get the the wireless card drivers right and. Every every update was a, a new mission to figure out how to connect to the internet. But um, yeah, it's understandable, I guess. Yeah, anyway, what I, we so go on. I say I, I updated straight away to Windows 11, no problems. I was really happy. Do you know, I've not done my main PC yet. I'm 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 for, after working in tech. It's it's fair to say I'm I'm probably apprehensive for the same reasons that uh, 
larger companies. I should really use some kind of a package manager on machine, if I'm being honest, for all the software that I install, but I don't. And I know that if it goes wrong or I need to reformat and rebuild, I'm in a world of pain. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. My machine's too old to take the uh, take the update. So That's no, mine's all I built mine last year, so it should. Well, it's telling me it's fine, but it's just not giving me the option to upgrade yet on mine. So um, I'm I'm quite happy as I am from it anyway. Well, this week, guys, I've been looking at Twitter quite a lot. Twitter yeah. is good. It's quite good fun. Uh, and I saw uh, an interesting tweet by uh, Microsoft Learn. And it asked the question, how many Microsoft certifications do you have? Mm. And it got me thinking, you know, what, why, you know, why would you go and gain a Microsoft certificate? And um, what's the benefits to doing so? Uh, is it just, uh, is it, is there benefits to your career or is it just intrinsic benefits? Um, and the answers as well from that tweet were quite surprising. A really, really big range of uh, of answers from people who've maybe got one or two to people who've got in the regions of 80-odd, 80-odd certificates, mm. Microsoft certificates. So I thought, yeah, let's talk about it today uh, and see what you guys think as well. Oof. So how, how open and honest can we be? I think we have to be really open and honest, don't we? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite a cool subject area. Let's start off with Dan. I, I vote Dan. Well, what do you think, Dan? You always vote me. Um, <laughs> so I'll be I'll openly and honestly, I have a um, endpoint management consultancy job, but I have zero Microsoft qualifications. Never taken a Microsoft exam in my life. Um, the last one I took was probably in excess of 10 years ago. Um, I'm ITIL qualified, um, and I'm A plus and Network plus qualified from CompTIA. Um, but yeah, in excess of over 10 years ago, probably, for me. It's not hindered me so far in what I'm doing, in, in the jobs that I've had. Um, and I even got the, the into this consultancy role without the need to have a Microsoft qualification. Um, so far, so. But I do you have a, do you have yeah. desires then to get certifications? I think it would be good for me to have that because it helps me show the skills I have are valid. Um, but also, there are other sides of it that I understand that when you've got those um, qualifications, especially within certain areas, um, it when they are mounted up and actually totaled together with your colleagues from your team, your peers, they actually help a complete um, your employer's Microsoft partner status, gold partner status, because um, you've got to have those a certain number of them within the company to actually receive that. Um, mm. So there's kind of a slight sales side of it to help with that, but also it's probably good in, in the future for me to do that. Just as of as yet, not been managed to get there yet. So, on the balance of it, then, would you say it's more um, it's more intrinsic benefits rather than a necessity for your job role? Yes, it's more of so, a yeah. It's more of um, 
increased confidence um you see you talked about your peers you know feel like you feel more respected by your peers um job satisfaction do you think that would increase from getting a certificate i think if you manage to get the certificate then it's almost to prove to yourself that you know what you're talking about yeah and to actually to go back slightly to last week's episode where we talked about imposter syndrome mm-hmm. potentially that might actually help with reducing that yeah it's like mm-hmm. a um it's like it's like verifying that you actually know what you're talking about because yeah. you've got a certificate i can see that i think well, it's like quite you, valid though that you're going to say dan i think there's probably a lot of people that work in the industry that have been working in the industry doing quite well for themselves with their job for a number of years that, that just haven't haven't bothered with certification. I think in my experience, like I'm one of those people that has done quite a lot of certification, especially on the Microsoft side. I probably, I don't know. I mean, I'm just clicking on, I've got quite a few of the badges, the recent, I mean, Microsoft have changed the certification process at least three or four times since I've been working in tech. And I think, it's it's a bit of a thing, isn't it? I think there's a bit of a balance. I mean, I'm just counting now. So what have I got? Five, 12, uh, 17. I, I got probably around about 20 of the more modern badges. But before that, I had, yeah, you know, they, they used to label up their, their cert 70 dash. Um, I had uh, probably about the same number of those. So personally, I've kind of, followed the cert sort of learning pathways if you like to try and validate skills i mean let's face it the main reason i was doing my certifications was for accreditations for the companies i work for because they'd always say can you do this can you do that so it's like okay 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 and i think my my view on certs is it, it fluctuates dependent on what what way you look at them because i think they can be seen as they're absolutely a a positive thing in the sense of um, all the stuff you just mentioned then, you know, that what maybe why you'd want to get them if you didn't have them, they, they kind of increase your confidence. They allow you to study along a certain learning path to, to gain knowledge of, of areas of that topic that you may not have touched, you know, because we know that a certain cert covers a particular area. You may not have touched all of those areas, even if you've been working with it for a number of years. So, gives you that chance to fill in the gaps of your knowledge um and i think they're great for people starting off into into the industry to kind of something to aim for you know if you've not got that experience or not got the ability to gain real world hands-on experience they're a great sort of market to aim for but but i think having said that there's 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 all there's also that negative connotation side to it as well like i mean as of late you you look at the number of microsoft certs that there are compared to aws or google you know there's there's certainly an element of um i don't know gamification um of, of yeah, the system you know a, people, that's a good word yeah you know people like to collect badges yeah um and it makes money you know at the end of the day that it's 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 um it's a good source of income for various companies so there's that there's that view as well which i've seen and heard and, and respect because you know i think there absolutely is an element of that in the whole thing that you build up the desire to look, everybody's getting this new shield of this new course and people put them up on Twitter and LinkedIn and I'm guilty of it as well. Every time you pass, it's too easy. You share your, share your win. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I suppose it's really what your intentions are to, to do with them. And if it's just a case of, 
collecting them for collecting them's sake, then arguably there's not much point. But um, yeah, how do you feel about it all, James? What have what's your take on it? Yeah, so I think you both touched upon a lot of the things that I also think. Um, that gamification, I can see that for sure, especially more recently. There's this mini industry around certification now that uh, it, it does pull you in. The, the badges, certainly. It's nice to have the badges. And it's even, you even get badges now when you attend um, certain uh, courses. So without even passing the, the exam, you, you're getting like an attendance badge and things like that. So there's definitely that. Um, I think in the past, I might have had uh, a different view. I think recently, or maybe in the last two years, I've changed my perspective a little bit on, on, on certification. And that's probably because the, the learning material that is there to support you passing the exam is more readily available. Mm. Um, so like websites like Microsoft Learn and things like that, there's, there's so much information out there that you don't necessarily need to invest loads of money now in, in books uh, and, and, and you know, you used to get the old CD-ROMs that you used to put into your machine to get access to the labs and things like that. Yeah, it's I'm all available. Well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, the first when I I passed my SQL exams, they they were a book that I bought that had a CD in it, and that you yeah. load the CD in to get access to certain things. That's all gone now. You know, I feel confident that I could actually pass some of these Microsoft exams without having to invest twenty, thirty pound in a in a book. Uh, and then you know, and sitting down and, and and reading that book back from front page to back page, and and trying to memorize all the little details because that was always the that was always about the that, that's a valid the point. That is, it's, it's, do you know yeah. what? That's been one of one of my main almost criticisms of the exam process is that they're not really real world scenarios. You know, we we know that the running joke about working in tech is that you know Google is your friend, and and. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's that's one of my criticisms is that sometimes you can get your certification by literally learning things parrot fashion, not being able to apply any of that knowledge to anything real world. And all of a sudden you've got this credential that in the world of the industry, I mean, I don't feel it's like this. I think people do use credentials for a certain mark, but I don't think it's just about your certification. You've got to be able to demonstrate that you can apply that knowledge in some real-world scenario. But yeah. I think the exams don't give you that. I think the exams expect you to learn parrot fashion um, and it's closed book. Yeah, but I think uh, there are changes. And you can see that the, the there are some certificates that they're retiring and you can see that they, they're replacing it with something that's a bit more um, uh, suitable, really. Uh, mm. I'm not saying they're all perfect, but you can see there's an intent there to try and improve the whole system. Um, the learning material as well. There's so much out there as well. It's 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 no longer closed off. If you want to go and learn the material and then pass the exam, you can. You don't need to invest a huge amount of money. Mm. Uh, and and that, that's better. You know, the more accessible something like something is, the more open it is to everybody, the better. Um, and I think with with the 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 debut of of Azure and um, this, this kind of movement to um, to the cloud. Gone are the days when you can hire somebody who's got 15 years of experience because most, a lot of people now uh, don't have that experience. So how can you validate whether or not they are suitable for the role? Certification is not the, it's not the answer, but it's it's part of the answer, right? You know, if yeah, yeah. if someone doesn't have the experience to demonstrate, 
their knowledge, certification is probably the next best thing. It's a baseline, isn't it? I think um, it's one of those things that I, I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer to it. It depends on all the subtleties of who you are as an individual. You know, back to Dan's point, I mean, you, I don't think anybody necessarily needs certification, really, unless, I don't know, unless you are, you know, you think that you're coming into an industry, you know, you, you, you're straight out of school, college, university, whatever you've chosen to do, and you're coming into an industry, how do you stand out amongst all those other people that potentially go for the same job? So exactly, I think, yeah, like you say, James, it absolutely is part of it. I mean, it just helps you. You've shown the initiative to go out and actually study for something that's relevant to something that you want to work in. You've got a badge. You can prove that. In my mind, that's what it's all about. But then it, I think it comes down to the, you know, the interview process then is all about, in my book, it's about the attitude of that person, the, the, yeah. the want and the desire to, to learn, learn new things. Because you're right. I think absolutely gone are the days of, of people having 15 years experience in some of these areas because they haven't been around for 15 years. So, yeah. And, and things move so quickly, you know, yeah. you, you, you're not, you're not awarded that time to be, to, to sit there and just, know one particular thing and be good at one particular thing for a large amount of time you you mm -hmm. the it is so demanding right now that you're having to constantly develop so what you know and practice today in a couple of years time it might not even be there anymore you, you're gonna you have to keep moving with the times so in in anticipation of this call i um i found a white paper from pearson vue so that's a an exam body that I'm pretty sure most listeners will be familiar with. And they've got some key stats uh, around uh, certification. Uh, I'll read a few out. So they sampled in the year 2020, so the year of the pandemic, or one of the years of the pandemic since we seem to be moving into the next. But they sampled 29,000 people, and it was for over a 12-month period, and four key findings they highlight from the very top of their uh, the white paper. Mm, okay. There was a 16% increase in delivered exams from the previous year. Now, you could say 2019 when the, you know, wasn't impacted at all by COVID. It didn't, didn't happen until 2020 for the most of the world. So despite that, there's been a 16% increase in delivered exams. That mm. might be because people had spare time. You know, they were working from home. Maybe, maybe. Well, it it makes sense, doesn't it, James? If there was that increase, was it because a lot of companies had to do something with people working from home? You know, so right. You say that then, but when they the survey data showed that employers were less likely to cover the cost for training and certification in the year twenty twenty. That's interesting. That is yeah. Strange. I I find that yeah. hard to, to work out why now. Yeah. When I read it, I didn't expect it. I thought it'd be the opposite. I thought, as you rightly say, there's people working from home. Companies need to give their employers, so employees, something to do. Let's set them certification targets. I think but actually like on that, it's that I've got a couple of friends that that did kick off their learning paths while on um uh, while on leave actually from work while the, the businesses that they worked for actually were putting people on furlough well what no. else was you going to do right you know no, that you've got, um, suddenly got this spare time that you've never had before uh, well, in your career you, you've got no you're not working and for some people in the furlough or you're working from home um you're not traveling so there's no commuting time so for us a lot of people hour hour and a half sometimes each way for their their commute 
So they've got getting that back in their life. Um, there was nothing open, no restaurants, no bars, no pubs, clubs. So socializing was out the window as well. So people just mm-hmm. had lots of spare time. I think yeah, actually yeah. they've put they, a lot of people yeah. were able to put that to really good use for themselves. 86% of candidates plan to pursue additional certifications. That's interesting. Now, could that just be that people who initially going to take these types of certifications, they're interested in the mindset of they want to take another one anyway? Is, is it is it indicative of you know the type of person who's doing this, or is it because there's a high demand for certifications? Yeah, I, I think it's probably a mix of all of the above, to be honest, James. I think, I don't know, I think that the naturally because tech is moving so fast there is this natural desire that people are starting to realize you can't kind of stay in your comfort zone i think is probably the best way to frame it you can't Mm -hmm. you know gone are the days of monolithic applications where we had this 18 month two-year cadence where we you know we knew a version of a product was out and then we'd learn that go and deliver it and then we wouldn't have to worry about it for another two years. Like like you say, James, we're, we're kind of having to work on, you know, being technologists, like having a bit of an idea around everything now. There's no real focus on one specific area. I mean, don't get me wrong, there, there are, but generally... It's in, in, definitely guess, broader now. Yeah, it's broader. very... It's, it has been broadened out, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I have a SQL background. So, I, you know, five years ago, I passed my MCSA uh, for SQL. But nowadays, it's data engineering. It's that's that's the role. It's no longer a SQL DBA role. It's a data engineer role because it's broadened. You have to learn more. You have to know more. Um, whereas before, you can get away with being a, quite you know a specialist in in a, in a niche area. I don't think you can get away with it nowadays. Do you know the the other thing to think of as well, which has come out a little bit from what I've heard around community talking about certification, especially in the Microsoft space, is. When you look at the certs that are available across Microsoft, they're very much cloud-focused certs. Mm-hmm. You know, majority, 95% are either covering some Microsoft 365 or some Azure area that the folks in focusing on Microsoft Cloud. And there was a bit of noise around the fact that, look, what happened to the old server certs? You know, what happened to the certs yeah. for people that are still, you know, the, the 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 probably the vast majority of people that are still working on business as usual, day-to-day infrastructure um, for businesses that haven't yet taken that step to the cloud. So, you know, I know, you know, back to your point there around the changing of job roles and things like that, I think you're starting to see a little bit now come out with, from what I'm looking at, just from my perspective with, with Microsoft Search, you've got very specialist certs, you know, you've got AVD search, you've got networking certs, you've got Teams voice engineer certs. So they are they're focusing on some of those areas, but you know, again, you know, dependent on which way you look at that, is that right? Is that a benefit to you as an individual, or is it just a case of, oh, I need to collect all of the certs in that particular series? Do you know what I mean? Um, well, uh, a key stat then from the the person is it view or VUE? View. I, I, yeah, I always I call it person view, but then yeah. VUE is an uppercase, so I didn't know. In any case. Um, Another key stat was 73% of candidates pursued IT certifications to obtain necessary skills. So it, a large proportion, uh, nearly three quarters of the people taking the certificates were doing so to try and get new skills. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, what's your take, Dan? I mean, would, how, how do you feel now about search? Would you 
are you compelled to take them for any reason now today? So, as a story, really, for a few weeks just before Christmas, I actually booked in to do the AZ900. Um, yeah. So, the Azure Fundamentals. And I was all sort of, you hear sort of, the, you see the guide, you read the guidelines, you must be in a um, almost a, quite a, a, as sterile a room as you can. Um, one screen so i did like a laptop. Not, not a surgery like just no. just uh you know an empty room <laughs> an, an empty room ideally like it, it gets to a point he cleaned everything to make sure it was spotless it was the most sterile room there ever was technology from the ceiling that comes down like that yeah i know <laughs> it was like dexter had come and ready so, to uh, to murder someone it was that sterile so i we've got a, a loft room here I, and it's quite empty at the moment, actually, because we're we're in the middle of doing a bit of a home improvement. And so I set up a table up there, a chair, and I had a laptop, and that was it. I was nothing near me, nothing around me, and I did what was what was required. I took and then took all the photos, um, submitted those, and sat in the queue waiting for it's that. Probably to be worth assessed. describing that process for our listeners, Dan. So you ha- you 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 do that by an app don't you before you actually go on to do your exam you have to go through yeah, this process you, you have to go through that you have to take a a, a a straight on view of your device um like a top down view to see what sort of connection or things are auxiliary items cameras and what have you other mouse connected to it ideally as as a uh, small number as possible so that but the you have to disconnect multiple monitors as well don't you, you have yep. to yeah, so you have to then strip then, down your your IT station, so you only have one monitor. Yeah, so if I was to do it in this room where I'm in at the moment, um, I've got on view I can see six screens, and they, <laughs> it's 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 three on my desk, two behind me for for the DJ work that I do, and 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 a monitor over there that I use for testing, and it's very much uh, everything they would want proof, photographic proof that. All of those devices were off, powered down. They want they want to see things like power plugs disconnected from monitors and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and then the software that actually runs forces the screen that you're the main screen that you're using to only be the one. Everything else goes white if you've got any others connected. However, so I use this laptop. Took the top down picture, the front picture, the left picture, the right picture. Um, submitted them. Sat in the queue waiting for the what you would call the invigilator um to um assess the photos i sat there it said i was at the um next in the queue and i sat there for 20 minutes um and then the, the software crashed um yeah. and i felt a bit sort of quite deflated so i thought well actually okay go back in and redo it redo the photos resubmit whatever Went back in and it said the photos at uh, the time had passed since for my exam and I was ineligible to. Um, oh, you missed the yeah, there's a window, missed, isn't missed, it? Missed the oh, window. So you missed it, did you? So, yeah, and it was quite a deflating um, process, if I'm honest, because the, the it was my first Microsoft exam. I thought, oh, let, let's let's get this done. Let's let's see what I can do and prove to myself I can do this and what have you and actually it was it was a very um stressful yeah actually very very stressful mm. but, and i don't really want to i don't really want to have to go through that again it makes I'll, me that's want my next to question go... is yeah i do feel enthused to go and do more exams 
or do you feel actually you might get this one done and and take not a break a, until COVID's finished? Not as remote. I think actually, I wanted. I'd probably like to go into a Pearson View test centre and do yeah. it there. Well, do, you, do you know what, Dan? I've had bad experiences with Pearson View test centres as well. I think. I, I mean, I echo your experience there because I've had those kind of events happen to me on at least three occasions, maybe even four. Um, I mean, I took I took a, a remote exam not long after they started them, and they were literally, you know, you kind of had to make sure that, well, now I, what I learned from that is that you kind of have to make sure that a lot of your back, background processes are shut down, namely Skype, um, <laughs> for whatever reason. <laughs> Skype. Yeah, that, that's that's probably an Skype. obvious one, right? <laughs> well, do you know what? Even with it all shut down, you think you shut it down through um, the, you know, the, the, the system tray and whatnot, quit. There's still a there was still a Skype process running, but anyway, it got to the point. Like you say, Dan, go through all the process, wait for the the exam actually started. I was on question twelve or thirteen, and then next thing you know is boom, the system has detected uh, um, an inappropriate service running Skype.exe. It's like what? We're, we're we're aborting your test. It's like, are oh, you joking? Right? Is that um, one of the things where it has like even though you've quit it, it still has a process running in the background? Yeah, and there's, yeah. So yeah. So I, I've, literally, um, I've been very mindful to go through now. And, and you know, off, off, off the back of that, I, you know, obviously you have to go through the whole rigmarole. And Pearson View aren't the, the easiest company to kind of get to the bottom of things like that, in my experience. But, um, yeah, I mean, they've improved their software since then where it doesn't crash. It, yeah. And, and in, in, in these examine board defense, you know, they, you know, who could predict what was going to happen these last two years, right? And that, so yeah, they yeah, had yeah. to come up with a solution quite quickly. And I, I I took an exam last year and it wasn't too bad. Uh, I did get, it was quite interesting because I was, I have a big monitor. And so often, like, if I'm just looking just above the monitor, you know, I'm not looking like out the window or anything, but the, 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 the I didn't realize how, how much they are watching you. And yeah, there was yeah. a point where I was just looking just above my monitor, just in deep thought, you know, thinking about my answer. And a little message pops up saying, like, you know, it looks like you're you're looking away from your monitor. Please refrain from doing so. I, and I, I was just exactly. I was just in lost in thought. And I it made me it made me laugh at the time. But then I can imagine for some people who who find taking exams already stressful, you know, who find the whole Dan, you talked about the whole process being stressful, just setting up the exam. Something like that can be quite off point. I, I had a similar one as well, where where if you if you read, I don't know about you guys, but if you're reading a question on screen, it gets to the point where with Microsoft questions, you have to kind of read them, reread them, and then read them another yeah, two or three times. Right. So I'm there, and this one guy, I remember this one question. I just was reading it, and I just wasn't getting it. It was just read. So I start to mouth it and speak it out loud. I'm, you know, as you do, like I'm, you're in this scenario, and Contoso want to do this, and I'm mouthing the words. Next thing I know, this guy comes across my speakers. Can you please not read the questions out loud? It's like, yeah, oh, I had that one as well. Yeah, and I wasn't yeah. reading it out loud. I was just mouthing it. Yeah, that's why yeah. I was mouthing the words. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I, but I, but I agree with you, James. Having said that, those negatives, and and to Dan's point there, I can see how that can turn people off. But I think, to be honest with you, I would much prefer the to stick doing the the remote exams personally now because. The the experience I used to have with the 
uh, the, when you would drive to um, you know a location somewhere. So there's there's a there's a, a test center not too far from the house, probably about you know sort of 10, 10 15 mile drive. But it kind of takes up your entire day because yeah, for me, you know, I book a book a session say one p.m. Um, I'd be leaving the house at like half 10 11 o'clock in the morning getting there an hour before um you know firing the laptop up in the car having the last sort of half an hour or so swat cram session then you're in there sort of 30 20 minutes before you sign in it's you know you're kind of in this room then you know with lots of it's the same test centers that do all the driving tests and things like that pearson view they do all sorts so you're in this room and then you know you kind of come out get your bit of paper you know did you pass or fail <laughs> so i've had both yeah. experiences um and and like you say dan i think if you if you fail at least when something goes wrong you know you can fix that yeah you know it's not costing any money other than it's been a pain in the backside because you built yourself up to wanting to do this exam and now all of a sudden you're not doing what you thought you were going to do and i echo that i've had those deflating moments but i think yeah. equally it's better to have them at home believe me <laughs> that having spent <laughs> half a day driving somewhere and coming out with a you failed your exam but um yeah it's an interesting one isn't it i mean as far yes, as it, yeah but just to see what happens when covid hopefully inevitably goes away you know when once 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 lockdown is lifted and we can return back to you know if what as close to normal as we can who knows what what normal is going to be after covid yeah. but it'd be interesting to see if if people continue doing this you know, remotely if, if that becomes the popular option yeah no i think so so i mean in terms of certification then what was the the, the, the so dan you're not necessarily enthused to jump on doing a certain at the minute but i mean how do you see it from the point of view of all the other potential reasons for doing certs well, you know well i've got a list of them here so um there's one two three four five six seven eight eight top answers from those who were were, were asked so the top one was obtain skills uh, knowledge or competence and that was 72.5 percent. what do you think the next one is um to get the badge no i'm joking well, the next one, fifty-six point eight percent of people said it was to un enhance their CV or their, their their resume. Yeah, okay. So that's so, the kind of show people yeah. that you're you're capable of these things. Yeah. Very close. Fifty-six point two percent said it was to be it was to advance or be promoted in their current job. So yeah, that's quite interesting. Sense. I was yeah. going to say that it's probably actually in a lot of people's um, goals and objectives. Yeah, it's set to um, uh, take a test, take an exam. Yeah, if you if you're going to go to your boss and ask for a pay rise or or a promotion, it's 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 nice to have to say, well, I I've passed this the exam, you know, as well as getting all this experience as part of your justification for, for doing so. So, um, and thirty two point four percent said it was to obtain a specific IT role. So similar, but uh, rather than than a, a you know, enhancing your current role, it was to get a new role or a specific role. Um, yeah, then, yeah. then, but and closely, twenty so quarter of people said it was to make a job change. Now that sounds quite similar, doesn't it, to the to the previous two answers? They're all in a similar ballpark. Hmm. Um, next one was to fulfil a work or school requirement. 
So um, maybe object has been set. And that was a 19%, 19.7%. And the next one was find work if they were unemployed. Mm -hmm. And that was 13.4%. And the last one at 5.6% was to supplement supplement my application for program or college admittance. So that's something, yeah, yeah, that is interesting. That's probably, I don't know if that would be, that would be applicable here in the UK if a Microsoft certification would give you credits towards applying for a university place. I don't know if that. Yeah, I do suppose it shows willing. Hmm. It'd make you stand out if you if you had the exact same grades as somebody else, but you also had a, a Microsoft cert and the, and you were applying for a, a, you know a, an IT uh, course. You know, I can see that making a difference. It just shows initiative, doesn't it? It just shows that yeah, you because know, you hear that in you know again in community you hear a lot around gatekeeping and you know uh, university degrees and you don't need one to do. This, that, and the other. And that, I agree with it on the face of things. You don't, you know, if you if you're if you're a certain type of person that will go out and get what you want in life because you know you, you're very tenacious, you're very focused, then I agree. You you probably don't need any of these bells and whistles. But the way I see things is that that's because you're probably a certain type of person that yes, is exactly. able to do that. Whereas for a lot of and I would say it's probably for the vast majority of people certification and education and passing courses is kind of the the de facto standard of how everybody kind of compares and rightly or wrongly and i I, you know and and i get the argument both sides that you know you you, like you mentioned james there's so much um available uh, collateral and 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 content out in, in you know in the ether at the minute you can kind of learn anything you like you know with google and youtube you can probably pick up a lot of skills, you know, just by using the content that's there. So arguably, you know, why, why would you want to go and sit through a, you know, you you relate the, the classroom experience to learn in Microsoft search. Why would you want to pay 2000 pounds to sit in a classroom for a week when you can go and watch it at your leisure on YouTube? Uh, And and there will, and there will be people out there who say, I learn better from a classroom experience. Um, Yeah. 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 But, but, but that's, that's the thing. It's, It's choice, right? If, 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 yeah. You learn better from, um, and you've got a lot of, you know, self-motivation. You learn better from sitting down, reading some articles, doing some labs. Great. They're, they're out there. They're free. Crack on. If you if you need to sit there in a classroom and have someone um, guide you through your learning experience, there are options. There are more expensive options out there, uh, but there are, there are options. So we've talked about personal benefit. Now, this is just before we end the podcast, because we are getting on to time. What do you think person view list as the return on investment per credentialed employee is in, in, do- in dollars? Well, they've monetized it. They've monetized it. I don't know how, but they have. It's probably from a survey that said, how much of a pay increase did you get for taking... Well, not necessarily. It's, it's, it's the return on investment for the employer, not the employee. That's going to be go on. I'm I'm intrigued. What are they what they said? So they're saying for benefits for employers, estimated return on investment per credentialed employee is ten thousand dollars. Okay. Okay. Is that what? What are they kind of scope that is like? Yeah. So they're saying or... that someone who has a credential, or is is is, is, is not a credential, who's accredited. From a, from one of their exams, 
they have increased quality and 81% have increased quality and value of work contributions. So of all of the 29,000 people surveyed, they 80% were greater, had a greater ability to mentor and support co-workers. Um, 77% increased ability to innovate and enhance work processes and outcomes. 75% able to perform a task or fill a role that I, that, that person was not able to do before. But, and they're all kind of, you know, some of the things, increased efficiency, increased productivity and so on. But you touched upon it earlier. If you're the, the right type of person the, with, with the right type of personality in mind to go and sit an exam or several exams, you are probably already somebody who is inclined to be a better mentor. Yeah. Because you because you already see the value in learning and getting accredited. I was going to say then, James, I mean, not not that I dispute the findings from Pearson View, but you do have to remember that Pearson View are in the market for selling exams oh yeah so, and, and, um, and their sample of people who people who've sat exams yeah. if you wanted to get a really good idea of the benefit exams you need to you need to um survey people who have no interest in, in doing exams as well and see what their pay benefits yeah, yeah, like exactly. over the last I, I few think, years and so forth i i think you know on the face of it when all is said and done about certs i i think they're they're definitely a positive impact in the vast yeah. majority of cases is my personal opinion, um, I, but I absolutely understand some of the negative or the or the cons, the the, the negative view. I, I probably I personally I, I don't necessarily subscribe to that in my own personal day to day living because mm-hmm. you know for me certs are about. Um, I think I said this on on a recent podcast before. I use certification to really like if anybody watched what I do with a, with a BDI is that I don't necessarily run out and sit a cert as soon as it comes out. The, the last one that I did that on was the MS 700. So it was a networking exam. And I thought, well, I've done a fair amount of networking over the years with Izzy or I, I, you know, if I can pass that one, then that's a validation of myself that I can do an exam with minimal study time, you know, but yeah, generally if there's a new cert out there, I tend to try and work with it as much as I can through the day job through tinkering and playing through whatever before I build up the knowledge that I think, cause I, I, Dan, back to your point, I hate, I hate failing exams. I failed a lot and it's, it's not a nice experience. So to mitigate me failing an exam, I like to make sure that I know, <laughs> I know what I'm doing as best I can so that when you do study for sitting that exam, what I find is that I go through all the skills measured and then I think, ah, okay, there's gaps here. I've not done anything with that. I've not done it. So I kind of focus my reading on the areas of the bits of the exam that I've done less with, if that makes sense. Mm. So I've got a very, that's the, my process. And to be honest, that's that's why I sit exams is because it gives me, that's the main reason I sit exams now is it gives me that structure to kind of make sure I cover the broad aspect of the technology the exam is catering for. And back to your point of, we're in this society now today and industry that if we're not learning, we're, we're probably starting to go backwards with our skills. You know, yeah, I think in, in our industry, yeah. if you're not developing and moving forward, your, your, your use soon. You're de-skilling yourself. You mm. are. Um, and like, and like, you know, if I have a CV that comes in front of me and I see someone's got X bar of experience in a particular field of IT and they have the certificate for that that's applicable to that area. That's great. If I have a CV in front of me and they've got the certificate but no experience, then you're like, okay, maybe they're, maybe they're a junior 
IT technician and they're trying to get uh, ahead. Well, then you get, and we all come across these CVs where they're littered with all these different exams and no experience. And I think at, at that point, you can see then that the validity of the exams has been negated because that's someone who's just good at taking exams. Um, and I, yeah, I think it's always it's always good. I, from my personal perspective, I, I like you, John. I like to go and play with something, learn it, get get experience with it, and then I take the exam uh, as a way of reaffirming that I know what I'm talking about. You know that I've actually picked up all the knowledge I need about this particular subject. Yeah. Uh, and then probably by that point, I've, I've got bored of that subject. I want to move on to the next one and learn something new anyway. Yeah, no, so. no, definitely. I think, you know, in because I think, you know, um, we're all in situations where we, we, we get invited to help and, you know, interview for positions within our company that we work for at the moment. And I think it's probably mm -hmm. fair to say that certs certainly don't appear massively high on my radar when I'm looking no. at CVs. And I've never been pressured by a manager to get certification. It's it's, it's been maybe been uh, listed as one of my targets for the year. But when it comes to assessing uh, whether or not I've I've done a good job that year, when it comes to my grading, I don't think certification has ever, you know, or the lack of certification has never knocked me back. You know, yeah, yeah. It, no, it's, ce it's celebrated when I when I've, I've passed exams, but not passing an exam. You know, for whatever reason, maybe I've just not bothered to do an exam that year. It's never it's never held me back. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's right. I think yeah. search should be used for that guidance to help. You know, it's to say it's almost like um, an unofficial mentor, isn't it? Yes. If you're looking to study a particular track, well, you know, vendors have prepared a certification along that track and given you a breakdown of all the areas you might want to look at. You know, it's, it's almost like, well, there we go. Go and have a look at that track and come back any questions, you know, because, you know, I do a, a fair amount of mentoring with people as well in side uh workers as well as outside and it's always one of those well great if we'd had that 10 years ago you know to the, the level of detail that we got it today it's great you know because i think it's it's kind of the industry is backing up the fact that we do kind of need to stay on top of our learning yeah the fact that you can do remember the cost of exams as well i mean we're probably it's easy kind of for us to say from a microsoft point of view because we work for a company that pays for all of that and there are a lot of people that don't have that privilege. You know, there are a lot of people that are really trying to study for these exams. And you look, I, you know, I must be honest, I don't think of the costs, even for the exam, the £140. But to a lot of people, you know, that is a lot of money to go and sit and, and potentially fail it. You know, it's... Um, I remember doing my Prince 2. I did a course and exam. I did the practitioner. And I had to pay for that myself. And it cost me about £1,000. And I was in my early yeah. 20s. And that was a hell of a lot of money for me. Mm. In the early, in your, it's, it's still a lot of money nowadays, but especially in the early twenties, when you know, hundred pounds seemed a lot. You know, to to do that, and you know, that's because I I, I really wanted to invest in my future. But a lot of people can't afford that, and yeah. a lot of people can't afford to be, you know, especially if you're going to fail the exam. I know you get you get. Do you get free resits? <clears throat> uh, no, um, no. You used right. to, they used to do these second shot things where you could buy. Yeah. Uh, you, you pay a bit more and get the ability to resit it for free, but. You don't see too much of those these days. So it, it can potentially be quite expensive even nowadays. But on the flip side, the learning is more accessible. So if even if you want to just learn the material and not pass the exam, that's still that's still worthwhile doing. That's still a really good part of your development. But I saw a really good, cool tweet, actually, on the point that we just raised together there, James, I think, about the cost of exams. 
if you were that kind of person, the, the one that we referred to earlier, that would, you know, he's tenacious, he's not going to let anything stand in your way, he's going to go out and get what you, you know, you want, you know, in a positive way, of course, not, not a negative way. There are a lot of places that you can pick up free exam vouchers as well. You know, if you kind yeah. of, you take part in community, there's always community giveaways, there's always skills initiatives that vendors are giving away free exam certs. So, well, yeah, is it a 30-day you know. challenge that you get from Microsoft now and then? And they say if you if you actually stick with it and, and complete all the modules in that 30 days, you get a discount. Is it a 50% discount that you that they you They do in lots. I, I think they some sometimes they give a free exam voucher. But, yeah, sometimes right. they give discounts. And I know for things like if you attend things like Ignite um, or you attend certain sessions, uh, you get a free exam voucher. So the point is, if you're serious that maybe you're starting off in industry and you're, and you're looking to kind of sit these exams and the cost is a bit of, bit of a, uh, you know, prohibitive, but you're doing it to learn, then reach out to, to community groups because there are a lot of areas that you can actually pick up these vouchers, you know, and, and, and all you need to do if you are on that road of studying and want to do an exam, you can probably pick up two or three exam vouchers relatively, I want to say relatively simply, you know, by just going through a few um, community use groups, be cheeky, ask some Microsoft representatives. So if they can yeah. get your free, you know, be, be cheeky about it. There's no, no, no harm in being cheeky. Or if you're fortunate to be working for a company that is a partner with Microsoft, then you should be on some, well, I say you should, you might not be, but there are other tracks with partners that you can get onto receiving free examinations in certain areas. So there's yeah. lots of ways around some of those problems. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's my... My summary would be exams, they're not going anywhere. They, they are here to say they've been around long enough in various forms. Personally, I see them as uh, I see the positive side of exams for keeping up to date with your skills and your learning. Yes, you get a nice shiny badge when you pass a new one, which looks good on your CV, but isn't all that. It's not the, you know, it's for me, it's the skill, yes, and the aptitude to applying that skill is, is probably more prominent. But, um, yeah, how, how are you guys? Uh, how, how are you guys feeling about wrapping up your, your views on exams? So, I, I could echo a lot of what you just said there. I think um, development is key. Develop development over exam. So, study the material, get your experience, and then take the exam. You know, the exam is there as a way of reaffirming that you know your you know your stuff, and it should be. The cherry on the cake. Um, there's lots of material out there. The and like I say, there's lots of opportunities to go and take them without breaking the bank. Um, go and go and take those opportunities. You know, you should always be trying to develop, especially if you're young in IT. Make the effort. Go out there, study the material. Always study the material. Don't just take one of these. You know, there's plenty. We all know that there's websites out there that show you how to pass the exams without really knowing the material. Avoid them study the material properly, pass the exams, and you'll get the benefit from doing so. What you done? Yeah, I think that is a, a really good um, sort of... For me, I think the, the, the I develop my skills, a lot of it, when there is a requirement for a, a project, a contract, a job. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I learn a lot. A lot I learn a lot on my feet, um, and sort of chucked in the deep end and kind of that's where I I find I personally I, I excel at learning but putting that into exam certification 
I probably need to do more of that, and I think I should do this year. Um, That's a good point. Are we all aiming to pass exams this year? I'd like to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I've, I've got I've got a few on my list. Well, that AZ nine hundred that was a failure before Christmas has is actually rescheduled for the middle middle of February. Well, it so wasn't I, a failure. It was only a failure on the part yeah. of the the setup. Yes, yeah. you, you failed before failure. you started the exam, so I don't so, know if it counts. So maybe in a couple of weeks. Um, I think it's two or three, about three weeks' time. It's it's scheduled for. So we'll come so back on the podcast. Told, you shouldn't we'll have said know. that. You shouldn't have said that. Well, that's fine. You, you keep it secret. I, I will come back and say whether I passed or failed. How about that? You'll do, come do, back and well, tell you know if what? you passed. Do, do you know so what? I, on, on that note of if we're going to say, do you know one thing I found lately is that if you don't set yourself a target, like book an exam. Yeah, you, I'll never get around to studying never if do I don't it. do that. And, and that's do, right. I, I've done it. And now I'm in that position now. I've not got any exams booked. So when I do my study or my little you know hour here or hour there, I push it out and push it out and well, we're studying for the ACE said six hundred at the moment, aren't we? Both of us. Yeah. And I know that until I book the exam, yeah, I'm not gonna sit down and get it get it studied. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. And that's why I say mm-hmm. it is that I wanna do the A V D, I wanna do the one forty um exam. Um and there's the the new AZ eight hundred and eight oh one, which are the windows server exams like i was saying about there being a lot of cloud exams they've microsoft have released some server orientated exams so there's one for windows server which is 800 and then you've got the hybrid workings which is 801 so um so yeah i've got i got four exams sitting there that i want to go and run at um and you know what i I was even studying for the ai 102 which is the artificial intelligence associate exam yeah. So you, you probably would have seen a few blog posts about text analytics and cognitive services and stuff like that. It's so really, interesting. Really, it, really It's such a cool area. It's great stuff. And I spoke to a few people across the community that work in, you know, they work in that kind of developer using those tool sets. And it's such a fascinating kind of place to be, you know, using tech like that. So a future episode, I, it's got to be a future episode AI. I think it'd be really cool to talk about AI. I think that'll have to be a double bubble episode. We could talk forever for that on that subject, I think. Cool. Right, should we wrap cool. it up then before we hit the hour mark? I think it's always good to keep it under an hour because I think it, it helps people find the uh, the episode yeah. in, the, in the podcast listening. So there, there's, our, there's our latest half an hour weekly episode. <laughs> yeah. Cool, nice one, guys. Good to catch up. I yeah. think what I'll do is I'll make sure that um, people are aware that we've got some links to some of the training material that we use ourselves potentially that might be quite nice sort of areas yeah it'd be, it'd be nice to hear from other people as well like what you think about exams and and how you go about studying for them or if you, t- you completely ignore them you don't think they're important at all you really yeah. good to hear tweet us we'll put the links for those as well on the, at on the slr on, slr podcast at slr podcast or directly to either three either one of the three of us cheers I'm guys not, I'm, not, I'm not plugging my website there I, i'm above that <laughs> I can't you know you want to. No, I'm, a, I'm above that. <laughs> Honest. Right, catch you later, guys. Thank you all. Bye.